Uh, ladies and gentlemen, nerds of all ages, welcome to your favorite podcast, Nerds Talking Wrestling. I am your host, as always, DJ Bush, and joining me, like always, he is smarter than the average fan boo-boo. I'm talking about smart. Steph, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, Let's just talk with the news that just caught my eye, have you seen that the major players have reunited? What you talking about? Uh, well, the major players being Brian Majors or Brian Myers and Zach Cardona, the major brothers in WWE, uh, reunited in Impact tonight when they powerbombed W. Morrissey, also known as Big Cass, to a table with the help of Chelsea Green, of course. Yeah. It's big. It's a big thing. I mean, I'm a fan of all of them. You, You would say, and also speaking of big names, it was heard at WrestleMania, wrestling has more than one royal family. And uh, we're going to take a look into that day, actually. Are you ready to explore wrestling royalty tonight? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, As always, we do have an outline for what we consider to be wrestling royalty. It has to be at least two generations long. A member of the family had to book, promote it, or be the top guy of a promotion. And the name alone makes you want to come to see the show. All right, uh, Stefan, who do you have up for us to begin with, my friend? Uh, I mean, we feel like what better place to start than with the the McMahon Legacy Dynasty uh, Family. Uh, I'm going to stop it right before it starts. The McMahon family is not wrestling royalty. They are sports entertainment royalty. I really want to argue against that in the sense that it seems like, um, from my research, wrestling and promoting of wrestling is something that is run deep in their family all the way back uh, beyond Vince and Vince Sr. almost, uh, pretty much almost to Vince Sr.'s father, who was Jess McMahon. Um, my research has mentioned that each and every one of those individuals has had something to do with promoting in wrestling. So that's why I would truly believe that uh, they fit the criteria for what we're talking about. Obviously, uh, we know a lot more about Vince. Uh, Vince, <laughs> uh, I'm one of. Obviously, we know more about Vince, and, and a lot of people know about Vince's dad. But I don't think a lot of people knew about Jess McMahon, which is Vince's dad's dad. And I mean, without them having the, without Cat, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what was WWF before uh, it was called Capital uh, uh, Capital Wrestling? Yes, sir. So I mean, if 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 that was you know, if that was Fun before, fact, that's why the Full Sail Arena where they record NXT is called the Capital Wrestling Center. Exactly, exactly. So I feel like you can't. You can't talk. I mean, as much as people want to, as much as people want to try to make the separation in that you know, wrestling that WWE isn't "quote unquote" wrestling; it's sports entertainment. The only reason why Vince started that whole little stigma was to kind of usurp uh, the the Nevada State uh, Commission. Uh, the same thing. Let's just say what it was. He made sports entertainment to 
screw over the wrestling commission of each state. Oh, well, it's not wrestling, pal. It's sports entertainment, so I don't... My guys don't have to be licensed wrestlers to work in this state. Right. Which kind of played into when wrestlers was being released a year and what, maybe two years ago, when people were talking about them being considered independent contractors and right. Kind of... To run, you know, run with the ball without necessarily having to abide by the rules of running with the ball. But I mean, Which, I just, I'm not gonna lie. If you are, if you live in a state where you have to be a licensed professional wrestler to work in that state, it's a hassle. It Vince was smart for doing what he did. Uh, does does California? Do you have to have a wrestling license? No, and I was about to just allude to you. I know you went through the process and you have yours. So, I mean, you could better than anybody speak to uh, getting that done. Uh, in California, it's not necessary. But I know that in a lot of other places, uh, it is. And that's an old school thing as well. One of the things that I definitely want to um, accomplish in my journey because, you know, like I said, it was something that the wrestlers did in, in the olden days, and I've seen pictures of people's uh, license cards or uh, identification cards. If that's a lot of it is kind of digital now. I've never actually got a wrestling card. I'm, if anyone knows but... in the state, please let us know. I actually do want a wrestling card. I, I want an official wrestling license. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And that, like I said, that's something that, like you said, it's probably digital now and it's probably antiquated as far as being on paper. But I mean, it was it was definitely something that was a requirement back then because, again, it's as much as people talk about it not being a sport or not being, uh, you know, this or not being that, like, it, it's a sport. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely a sport. I'm going to always stand on that mountain. <laughs> Well, uh, we definitely would throw in the McMahon family. I mean, whether you're for them or against them, they are what people would say the wrestling royalty. I mean, that everyone knows. I mean, again, I don't under I don't see how we have you know any kind of conversation about wrestling without. Mentioned in them, you know. And uh, just a little bit of honorable mentions. We have the Funks, Dory Sr., Dory Jr., and Terry. The Armstrongs, Bullet Bob, Brad, Scott Armstrong, Steve Armstrong, Road Dog, Jesse James. The Hennings, which I believe would be a true wrestling royalty with Larry the Act. Then you had Mr. Perfect, and then you had Curtis Axel. Okay, I did not know this one. Did you know Alberto Del Rio uh, is a possible second or third generation superstar? Yes, sir. I believe his his father. His father is is the link. Um, Uh, It is the fan. His family is actually called Mexican royalty. It is. Yeah. I'm gonna butcher these names. Uh, Mil Mascaras, Dos mm-hmm. Cazares, and Alberto Del Rio. Mm-hmm. And then this thing. This next honorable mention is kind of a hot take right now since I know a little bit of legal trouble. But you have the DiBiase family, Mike. Ted, Ted Jr., Brett DiBiase, and the other Mike DiBiase. Uh, actually, that legal trouble, I believe that legal trouble that they got into, uh, which was involving fraud, uh, some money that they were supposed to be getting for, I believe, a church and some, some uh, business around that that actually never, uh, you know, that actually never was actually used on the church. And um, I believe DiBiase Sr., uh, got implicated in that as well. So, uh, and, you know, uh, sad to hear that people were doing that. But what happens when you run a file of money that's supposed to be used for, you know, good and righteous reasons? 
But I mean, again, like we said, there's a bunch of different families in wrestling. We felt like, I mean, you got to start here. When, uh, like my grandma used to say, Jesus will always get you. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Go ahead. No, I mean, you know, he's watching it all the time. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you are. How did we start talking about Santa Claus? Santa Claus and Jesus kind of run and, you know, kind of run. That behaviors is kind of similar if you really think. Wait a minute, um, is Santa Claus Jesus with a gimmick change? I think uh, they probably substitute for each other or something like that. I would think it's just my hypothesis, but I mean uh, they could. Uh, the next family is the Vacone family. You had Mad Dog Vacone, Butcher Vacone, Vivian Vacone, and Luna Vacone. Damn. And then, okay. The other family that we don't talk about as much, but should, the Poffos. You had Angelo Poffo, the father. Then you had his sons, Randy, the Macho Man, Savage, and Leapin' Lanny Poffo. And then you, one of them had an Ill, illegitimate child named Elias. Now it's called, uh, wow. Ezekiel. I forget, Ezekiel. Yeah. I'm telling you, you can't tell me that. Looking at those three men together, that Elias is not a Poffo. I mean, a long lost one. Uh, Poffo boys was big in baseball, actually. But I, I mean, I remember from doing my research on Macho Man, um, him and his brother, they was big in the baseball. But they actually jumped in the wrestling. So, kind of dope. You don't really hear too many stories like that. You hear more of stories about. Uh, Basketball players, football players, but baseball players, I think that's pretty dope. Wasn't Braun Strowman's father a famous, like, softball player? Uh, I mean, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull that up right now. It, I believe he was. I mean, you know, um, I believe who? It's, it's a lot of connections to, to baseball and, and, and other sports. Uh, I mean, let's talk about Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I mean, he's technically royalty in Hollywood because, you know, sports and entertainment, you get famous. His dad was a very famous actor in the 90s. Sir, uh, uh, Luke Perry. So, uh, and, and funny story that we even get to bring up Jungle Boy. I actually got to see Jungle Boy uh Pretty much right before he signed with AEW, I seen him at a, a show out here because he's from California, obviously. Um, but I got to actually see him for all was it all pro wrestling, APW as we call it for short here in the, the Oakland, San Francisco Bay area. Uh, and when I first got to see him wrestle, I knew who he I knew who he was. I knew who he I knew who he was. And I knew with the connection to his dad. And, uh, man, I thought he was dope. I nicknamed him Lil Donnie uh, during the first match that I seen him in because he came out and he reminded me of two different cartoon characters. He reminded me of Bam Bam from the Flintstones. But more importantly, he reminded me of Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. And since he was called Jungle Boy, I thought maybe there was some type of correlation there. For the rest of the night, I just call it, kept calling him Little Donnie. <laughs> I mean, very. I get it. I see it. I mean, I don't know if he's old enough. I don't know if he is old enough to have ever seen the show to make the correlation. But I just Jungle Boy and just remember how wild and ridiculous uh, the character of Donnie was from Wild Thornberries. And if you are listening and you're like, what? In, is the Wild Thornberries. The Wild Thornberries was a, a cartoon on Nickelodeon back in the day that focused on this family that uh, was like this is like a, it was like a, a the pops was a, a, a nature bio. a nature he made nature documentaries. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Donnie the daughter is could talk to animals. Right, on some Dr. Doolittle type shit. But Donnie was this little Donnie was this little white kid. I think they found Donnie. Because I don't think Donnie was biological to them. But Donnie just ran around and, and spoke in tongues and, and did what he wanted to do. And uh, he's, he was dope. But no, uh, yeah. So we got Luke Perry and that connection to um, to uh, Jungle Boy, which is dope. Uh, I mean, it's the families. We got the obviously we got Fatus uh, in that line that is is deep. Uh, but the family got- I'm going to bring up is probably one of the deepest. The roads. I mean. There's not a single thing a member in the road combined the member of the Rhodes family has not done in the wrestling business. I mean, there's so many names. I mean, I feel like this is a great topic that doesn't really be talked about or debated because in a lot of different avenues, I mean, there's so many different families. I mean, people can... Uh, Let me just give you a rundown of the family that is Rhodes. Uh, of course, you have the father, Dusty. You have Dustin and Cody. You have Terry Reynolds, the ex-wife of Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Marlena, so she is technically a member of the Rhodes family. Uh, nasty boy Jerry Skaggs, did you know he was a member? Mm-hmm. He is the brother-in-law of Dusty. What about Typhoon? I did know that it took. I did know that. And then you have Brandy Rhodes. And funny fact, the article I'm reading actually throws in Oksana. Remember her fake marriage to Dustin? Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that I think that that's interesting. when you have this conversation is if you are just speaking about pure bloodlines and name or marriage because I've seen uh, I'm not necessarily a meme but I've seen a picture not too long ago depicting I think you shared it with me as well um, with the whole Fatu um, and a no way I just butchered that but the, the Roman rock bloodline the Samoan dynasty and there's the Usos are on there but it's um, Naomi's not on there. I mean, obviously not by blood, but by marriage. So I think that, you know... Uh, fun you fact, say, oh, there's yeah. technically no blood between The Rock and Roman and the Usos. Right. Usos and Romans have blood, but The Rock doesn't. Right, which, I mean, makes their whole... And we probably need at least 100 episodes when we get to talking about that family in particular, because as we right now there's a lot of technicalities to who is and you know what while we on this on while we speaking on that bloodline it's funny a lot of people a lot of fans online make a lot you know used to talk a lot of shit about Nia Jax being where she was at obviously she's related to the rock I don't know off the top of my head right now how true that shit is because you don't see we didn't see her anywhere on that uh on that I'm just gonna say meme, but at the same time the last names is different. I think her last name is like and again I'm butchering these pronunciations, but it's Fanine, Fanine, Fanine. I'm just saying Fanine. So it's a different name. Hawaii. No, 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 her actual real name, I am, I'm, my Google is not up right now, but if you Google Naya, her last name is like, I want to say Fanine, Fanine, I'm going to say Fanine, but it's definitely not Fatsu. Yeah, Fanine. Uh, she was born in Australia. See, so I think a lot of people, it may, I think a lot of people might have made a misconception because I've never heard her mentioned with any of them individuals. I've never even heard her mention The Rock mentioned it. I remember The Rock doing something about it, saying something about it. That's, that's what I mean. Is that with the, with, and no disrespect, but with the Tongan and some, as far as I understand, with Tongan and Samoan um, heritage, it, it can get kind of confusing because names and married into family. So she might be connected to, you know, 
them blood wise, but as far as I know, there's no real connection. So fans out there, you know, always made that uh, that misconception. Uh, hey. Not everybody is related to the rock. Very true. Uh, what's the next family you would put on the Mount Rushmore? I mean, obviously, you got to put the Guerreros in there. I mean, I don't think that you could really tell the story of wrestling without the Guerreros. Um, I actually got to meet Chavo uh, before uh, COVID. Uh, that was actually dope. And I was at an APW show as well. And I got to speak to him. For a brief little moment, I'm the type of person when I meet these people, uh, I, you know, I'm a fan, but I call myself a Martin. You know, we're going to have an episode where we talk about how derogatory that term is. But I spoke to him for a little bit and I just told him that because uh, he wrestled that night. And I mean, I've obviously grown up watching him and Eddie and I know about you know, their dad and, and how deep, you know what I'm saying, their their bloodline goes in wrestling. But uh, I just told him that that was the closest I think I'm going to ever get, obviously, to seeing Eddie wrestle in uh, live action in real life because he obviously has a lot of Eddie's moves in, in his arsenal. And, man, it was a, it was a dope moment to, to have because, I mean, like I said, I watched Chavo and Eddie on TV when they tagged together in one of my favorite eras just the ruthless aggression era, but I think you can't, again, talk about the history of wrestling because it's deeper than just WWE. I mean, you got to talk about the lucha aspect of it because then that's one of the greatest lucha rivalries is Rey Mysterio and the Guerreros. Would you put Rey Mysterio into the Guerrero family with how much how close he was and all the epic feuds. Um, I wouldn't put him in the I wouldn't put him in the family per se, but I mean I would say that when it that's if it was like okay, so you from the you're from the South, you know then the the typical the the what's it stereotypical uh southern rivalry is the Hatfield and the McCoy. So if you look at Lucha, and, and you take that analogy, I think that you could say that, you know, the, the, the Hatfields and the McCoys in that situation is the Guerreros and the Mysterios. I mean, I believe Mysterio has somewhat of a lineage as well. I believe he got the name from an uncle or somebody uh, because he was always was, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was Ray Mysterio Jr., when he first started, he got the, the mantle from somebody else in his family. But And then obviously you got Dom now. Uh, I think his daughter is interested, but we haven't seen her wrestle. So, I mean, I guess you can say that the Mysterios is a, is a wrestling family. So, uh, no, nah, but I wouldn't include him as being a Guerrero, though. All right. And the last family we're going to talk about on the mountain. Rushmore, quote unquote, of the royal families of wrestling. I think you got to throw the Crockett's up there. None of them actually wrestled, but would pro wrestling even exist if it wasn't for the Crockett family? I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard that name predominantly uh, tied to. WCW and, and NWA in doing my research. You know, I feel like yeah, and that's the crazy thing. Everyone thinks JCP was the NWA. It wasn't. The NWA was made up of a bunch of different promotions, but Jim Crockett was the force behind it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, that was just because back then the NWA was what it was, and a lot of people tried to. Uh, you know, break away and spin off and, and do their own thing. And, you know, obviously Impact uh, was a spinoff of NWA. And WCW, in a lot of ways, was a spinoff, you know, as well. So uh, one name that we also did mention is the Hearts. I mean, obviously, you, you can't mention Canadian wrestling and not mention 
you know what I'm saying, the Hart family, the Hart dynasty, uh, and and how, and obviously we just had, uh, you know, Natalia pop up in NXT. So, and you said something uh, about the Guerreros, and you forgot to add my favorite member of the Guerrero family, Aiden English. Ooh, see, I mean, but that's the, that's the marriage one, though. He's a Guerrero by marriage. Well, is that going to be? Is are we going to include? Uh, what's the word with that? Marital, marital. Uh, I guess we're going to look at it as a, a marital clause. That's what we're going to call it. I say yes, even though he wasn't trained with, by Eddie. There has been pictures of Eddie's daughter training with him, and Chavo Guerrero. If you have trained with the family. You are part of the family. And I think Aiden right now is, is, is actually not wrestling. He's actually commentary. He's actually one of the new commentators on Impact. Uh, I think he plays Matt Spiker or I think Josh Phillips, one of them two. He, he's, I think it's him and Striker, actually. And I think he's um, just replacing Josh Phillips. But, I mean, again uh, – yeah, I, I actually like him better as a commentator. I've seen, uh, seen what match did I see? I think I seen the the rematch between uh, uh, Matt Cardona and uh, George Grace was one of his first uh, matches uh, commentate, and I like it. I think it, it worked. Uh, obviously, he he has a voice. Uh, he he can talk, and you know that he. Necessarily to be a commentator, he'll do good. Hopefully, see him wrestle again. He was good at doing that. We didn't even mention Chow Guerrero, which is Eddie's daughter. Uh, obviously, a lot of people probably don't know their daughter, but yeah, he had a daughter. She was in NXT. Uh, famously, she was attached to the Ascension, which is one of the greatest NXT tag teams of all time. Fucked over once they got to the main roster, uh, but uh, you know, I think it, being an NXT tag team means you have to be screwed over when you get to the main roster. Not necessarily. I mean, if you look at well, I mean, if you look at the Viking Raiders, if you look at Street Profits, if you look at uh, who else is from? You look at a. a Chad Gable and Otis, even though Chad Gable and Otis weren't in there together, they were still in that division? Exactly. I mean, because Chad Gable was uh, – it was him and Jason Jordan. Uh, Like I said, I just mentioned Heavy Machinery, which was Otis Tucker. I mean, I think that, again, when we talk about success, I think we a lot of times think that, like, oh, they have to – if they was NXT Tag Team Champions, then they – have to come up and become, you know, either Raw or SmackDown Tag Team Champions. But I feel like if you just make the jump and have been on the main roster as long as, like I said, the Viking Raiders or obviously they got rid of Tucker, but we still got Otis, and then you see Jason Jordan is going. But still, you know, it, if you're there and you're not in a primal spot, you still there, you know. And I think that that's something else that in future episodes we'll talk about is just how – Fans always seem to treat a wrestler like, oh, if they're not, you know, champion or if they're not, you know, in this high spot, then they're, oh, they're wasting their career and they should go somewhere else. And then you hear interviews of wrestlers talking about how happy they are to be in the position that they are. And it's, it's not the same. Like, I mean, you know, people talk about our truth and how great of a wrestler he is, but he faces the 24-7 championship, but you've never heard him complain in a podcast interview or on his social media about where he's at because, obviously, it, he must be copacetic with it. So, I mean, you know, it, we just bring that up to say that, like, hey, it, you know, what is defined as success to some people is, is different than other people, but I think as fans, we need to get away from this idea that, like, if somebody isn't on Monday Night Raw every every week or on SmackDown every week or on AEW Dynamite every week or on Rampage every week, that 
they're not being utilized the right the right way. The worst the, the worst term true. in wrestling right now that I hate is anytime somebody says that so X Y and Z is underrated. Like everybody can't be underrated. Everybody can't be overrated, but definitely everybody cannot be underrated. It's some people who are definitely underrated and definitely deserve to be higher up in these promotions. I mean, it's, it's a time thing, but it's also a money thing as well. Like, is Xavier Woods underrated? I would say so. I believe I that. So I believe with his work outside of WWE, and that's the thing. That's an episode that I definitely to um, do in the future, which is comparing, because this is what I, this is how I feel about wrestling. I feel like a lot of fans equate somebody's success to what they do in WWE and don't recognize that a lot of these individuals, but they sign a WWE contract, they have done things that are worthy of being on their resumes. And, and, and as I like to say, they will unlock achievements that people don't talk about because WWE does this really terrible job of, I guess, I feel like cross-promoting other promotions. And one of the best examples that I can think of is, um, and correct me on which WrestleMania it was, but when Nakamura and Styles faced each other, if you if you listen to the commentary in that match, they they beat around the bush and mentioned it that, that Nakamura and Styles wrestled in New Japan together by saying that, oh, these two wrestled all around the world. And, well, that's the WWE way of all of, of saying that, oh, they wrestled in Japan, but we're not going to give New Japan any type of promo on, on, on our dime. Uh, but y'all fill in the blank on them them. Knowing, you know, and, and if you're a wrestling fan that knows, like, yeah, they over in Japan, then you you get that. But then in AEW, I've heard it that they will have no problem with mentioning other companies and giving other companies that cross promotion, and that's the whole idea of the forbidden door and and something that's been going on in wrestling from the its inception, which is traveling around, moving around, as you hear us talking about, and companies. Other companies seem to have no problem with being able to, to educate fans that, hey, this isn't the first time that these two have faced each other, if it really isn't the first time that these two have faced each other. So, I mean, you know, that's just kind of how I feel on that. But I think Xavier Woods is definitely underrated. I mean, he did great work in the Impact. Uh, was it Consequences Creed? That was him. And it wasn't he, and he was tagged up with Jay Lethal, who, uh, was, who has done great work in Ring of Honor. Uh, I think even you, you look at somebody like Samoa Joe, who just won the ROH uh, television championship. People that take Samoa Joe's run in WWE and, and say that, you know, he's underrated. But if you go do your homework on Impact, you know damn well that, that Samoa Joe didn't have his run. You know what I mean? Samoa Joe moving didn't, on yeah. to someone else that is underrated. We're going to take it to the nerd side before we take it home. Static Shock's movie has taken a big step forward. They got uh, more producers and everything. A lot of the producers uh, from the Disney Plus movie Safety. Mm, And, of course, the director of the Static Shock movie is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a producer. I mean, you know, that's a big move. That exactly was another one of them uh, Saturday morning cartoons that I watched when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, like we talk about on the show a lot, representation is important. And I think that it's about time that that's the story that's been told. I think it's a good I think it's a, a great I always thought it was a great superhero story. It kind of is similar to uh, the Flash's uh, story and how they had metahuman in the whole little situation like so Yes. And uh did did you know they actually got uh 
the pub the publicity of the show actually got the comic book running again because the show came out seven years after production of the comic had stopped. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, if if I'm not mistaken, I'm just trying to flex my my cue here. I think Static is under Vintage Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was originally vintage, and when vintage got bought out by DC, DC stopped making static, then did the WB show, and it was so popular, they started reproducing static. I do, oh, speaking, speaking of some DC-related news that you just mentioned, DC, um, it's something that I didn't talk about, um, or haven't been talking about on the nerd report, but uh, Ezra Miller. We don't uh, talk about it. I we don't talk about it. I mean, it's it's important. It's it's important nerd news. Uh, it it that, that movie. The reason why it's important is because that movie was supposed to further DC's cinematic universe. It was supposed to bring in Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, it was actually supposed to bring in the one of the female bat women right now. I think. Um, as I understand it, it was supposed to help kind of um, build what they're trying to do on HBO Max, and just it's a, it, I feel like it's important. And also, there was a comment. Oh, it's important, but as a diehard Flash fan, we don't talk about it. I mean, well, hey, you know, there might be people out there that want to know that and he got into some some legal trouble in Hawaii and that just kind of put a halt on promotion, I mean, on production of the movie, but there's also a prequel tie-in comic that DC is canceling because of his, you know, his legal troubles right now. Actually, me, in, in general, me, personally, when they announced the Flash movie, I was Frank Dustin in the Flash from the TV show, and at the oh, same man. time that, that uh, have you seen started. that all the fans are petitioning for that? I mean, I mean, as as I was about to allude to, they're petitioning for it because it was it was something that should have been did from the beginning. I mean, I, I think that what is interesting about uh, Marvel compared to D, to DC is DC obviously has more TV shows, and but they make an effort to do kind of what Marvel did with the, the Netflix Marvel shows that they had is make sure that they are part of a, a separate um, universe. You know, well, like, for example, like Marvel tied their universes in together. No, well, I mean, they've done it now, but um, when you have shows like Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, those shows were Kevin Feige, the the Marvel um, producer, he he was adamant in letting fans know that those shows didn't they was connected, but they was loosely connected in the same way that Agents of Shield. I was just thinking of Agents of Shield. Well, I mean, the thing about Agents of Shield is is it it started out being connected, and then it started to kind of really go in its own direction with a lot of the storylines. Like, it, obviously, it's it, 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 because I watched them maybe the first two and a half seasons, and it, it, you would have thought by watching it that it was, like, going to further the MCU, and then it started going in its own ways, and then ultimately it came out that it wasn't connected at all. Like, the, what they would do is, I know that at least Three different movies. Civil War had a connection into a couple of episodes. There was always like an episode that kind of either took place before one of the movies. So then in the story, it was loosely connected. But I mean, it's all kind of come out now. It's not being connected at all. But the point that I'm trying to make is like, you notice that there's not a Batman TV show in the same sense that there's a Flash TV show. That's because DC is, is really adamant about keeping Batman off TV because they do Batman in the movies, even though now with HBO Max, there is going to be a, a Batman show that's coming. Dude, Batman's Batman protected. Batman is Hulk Hogan in the 1980s. You protect Obviously, because you get... 
obviously, because you look at how many more Superman-related TV shows we didn't got, or you got Arrow, you got, you know, obviously you got Arrow, you got The Flash, but uh, I believe that there, there's a, a Batman show coming to HBO Max that is uh, focused on the the newest Batman incarnation that we got, the, uh, the Pattinson one, and then actually I heard a rumor, and I don't know how true it is either, that Pattinson isn't going to be playing Batman anymore, and that might bring Ben Affleck back into the fold. So that's the reason why I wanted to mention Ezra Miller, because it seems like the whole DC EU is kind of in flux right now, if that is true that um, Pattinson isn't going to be playing Batman in what is supposed to be the new trilogy of Batman movies. Even actually after this new newest Batman movie is done pretty well at the box office. So that's weird that they're trying to start a new trilogy and they might have to recast they Batman. So, uh, I mean, you know, wanted to bring that up. Oh, I haven't on seen the, the new Batman. I want to. On the Mar- uh, I, I want it. I'm, I'm the type where with movies and it, it's probably going to be difficult to be a content creator and, and review movies because I'm one that not really rush and go see a movie when it first comes out. I kind of let want to let everybody else go and let them bitch and moan and complain. Oh, and dude, I'll wait like two or three movies. months before I watch a movie. Yeah, because you just kind of want to let everybody get their initial feelings out the way, you know what I mean? And then you can kind of decide if it's something that you want to do or you know or not but as a fan I always try to make sure to, to cross movies off the list I did that with a lot of the Marvel movies it was just like let them let people go run and let people go watch them and then you know you go behind them and have your own separate opinion because I'm never kind of really swayed off of the opinion of the masses but so much of hey this movie seems like it, it really is going to interest me so uh, like I thought Immortals was good yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of my one of the ones that I definitely let kind of go by for a while and, and came across. Oh damn, this movie was dope. I still went to go see it when it came out. But uh, some more uh, uh, nerd news we have is the Ironheart uh, Disney Plus show on the Marvel side of things just got the it's not the director. They just got um, an, a producer from, and I'm blanking on what he, oh, from uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So um, I'm blank. I don't have his name right now, but when I do this week's nerd report, I'm going to go deeper into this. But uh, so, and if you don't know who Ironheart is, she is the, or not the latest, but the most recent incarnation of Iron Man in the comics, and she is being brought into the MCU. Um, that show also has the director from Black Panther, Ryan Coogler, who's actually an Oakland native, uh, connected to it as well. So I think that's dope that um, obviously, again, representation matters to us. Um, Ironheart is a young African-American girl who in the Marvel Universe is one of the smartest individuals uh, I in heard Siri uh, I always forget I always mispronounce uh, Black Panther sisters and, yes I heard she's going to be make like make an appearance in Ironheart yeah 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 so they're, yeah, so they're gonna uh, they're going to connect those two which um, as I understand in the comic um, so let's, you know, we can dive into it right now. Um, so Ironheart, her government name is Riri Ring, and she's like a 14-year-old African-American girl who um, goes to MIT and basically kind of idolizes Tony Stark. And ends she, up built, creating- she built the Iron Man suit for her science fair. Right? Some shit that I would be liable to do if, you know what I'm saying, if I was you know, in the Marvel Universe, we're smart enough. But I mean, again, um, yeah, so obviously she idolizes Iron Man, did that as a science project, and then, um, you know, ends up taking up the battle, ends up being coached by um, AI of Tony that is kind of left over. So, uh, yeah, so in the, the TV show, and then actually, I think the, the Armor Wars uh, uh, Disney Plus show that's coming up. 
I think she's going to be connected to that as well. So I think it's kind of dope that they want to connect uh, two of the smartest uh, black female characters in the MCU. And I think that's going to, you know, I think that's going to be dope. So for them to have another African-American behind, um, you know, the scenes as a producer, I think that's going to help make sure that the story and, you know, our story is told the correct way. Because I think it's very important right now to, to have that. So I'm looking forward to that. I know it's one of the Disney Plus series that a lot of people don't talk about because not much is kind of known about it, but um, yeah, we kind of hit on like the most major points that what that show is going to be about and, and what it'll connect to. Um, Riri is actually supposed to be in Black Panther 2 as well. Just some For some reason, um, she's supposed to be in that and connected to that. So, uh, yeah. I'm just ready for Namor the Submariner. Man, I think, it, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for that as well. And I think it is, it's been a, a long time coming. I think it's something that I really like about the MCU that I noticed a long time ago is that it does have a lot of storytelling beats uh, that are very similar to, to wrestling. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Thanos was talking, you know, was the big bad and, and, and the way that they alluded to and, and uh, stretched out the, the story. Uh, uh, you know, the Infinity Saga and the Infinity Stones and, and long-term storytelling that took 22 movies and, and different movies. You know, the, if you go back and if you're one of those fans that have religiously went back and watched all of the movies and, and not even just watched all of the movies, watched all of the movies in the order that, the, that it tells the story because obviously, like, you know, uh, Star Wars, for example, a lot of people go off the release order four, five, and six, and then go back and do one, two, and three, and then go and fill in the Clone Wars and Rebels and this and that to get the whole story. You can do the same thing with the Marvel movies. Uh, you would technically be starting with Captain America, I mean, not Captain America, Captain Marvel, and then Captain America, and then something that weaves in, and you get the whole... You know wouldn't I mean? Captain America be before Captain Marvel? Uh, I mean, time-wise, it's before, but I believe, uh, I believe, I forgot what the reason is that, I forgot what the reason is that you're supposed to watch Captain Marvel before you're supposed to watch Captain America. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, I mean, again, that's just how they really kind of, you know, interweave, inter, I don't even think interwoven, inter, entangled the story, and I think that that's really dope. Uh, I mean, again, we talked about DC not having that same setup. You know, obviously they kind of uh, they did Batman, and then they did Superman, and then they, they did Wonder Woman, and then they threw them all together, and then they did the Justice League and, you know, kind of rushed things, and Obviously, they're where they are because of that. But if you look at Marvel and what they did, obviously, they sat down and they really decided they wanted to have a cohesive story that they told. And then, obviously, they got to, you know, Endgame and, and uh, Infinity War and, and they capped that off. But now they're, you know, building a new story. I think that's kind of dope that there's all these minor characters that are, you know, getting brought in that people have been wanting. I mean, obviously... Namor has been into that since Iron Man 2. Uh, I don't know if you know the Easter egg that they put in Iron Man 2 for Namor, but um, I do not. There was so there's a scene in Iron Man 2 um, where Nick Fury and Tony Stark are having a conversation because a lot of that movie uh, centered around uh, centered around Iron Man being interviewed to be a part of the Avengers. And there's a scene toward the end of the movie where there's a map on the screen and it was actually two Easter eggs that was dope. Um, there was um, Africa and the Atlantic Ocean shown on this map. And there was, a, there was a spot in Africa and then there was a spot directly to, adjacent to Africa that uh, was an Easter egg for Wakanda was in the eastern part of Africa and then in that Atlantic Ocean spot was a Easter egg for Atlantis so obviously Wakanda 
as the Black Panther's uh, neck of the woods, and then Atlantis is Namor's neck of the woods. So it was in years in the making in this long term storytelling um, to get to Namor and then the, the other Namor Easter egg. If you didn't know this in Endgame, when um, there's a Avenger uh, uh, a member meeting and uh, Black Panther's lead, I mean, not Black Panther, uh, Black Widow is leading this meeting, but Okoye, uh, Okoye tells her, or no, Black, uh, Black Widow mentions that there was an earthquake off the coast or off the coast of Africa in the Atlantic Ocean. And Okoye says that uh, it's, as in, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but she basically says that we do nothing about it. Like, it's just something that happens. And it's, it, you know, it's the regular thing, you know, nothing to worry about. But obviously, it, it, it's the Namor Atlantis uh, Easter egg. If you, you know, if you didn't really know what she was talking about or why would, you know, an earthquake, you know, under the, the, the water next to, to Africa be uh, issuing a problem for them. And obviously, if you know the history, you know that. Namor and Atlantis is literally like right next to them, and that's the big yeah. So there's a lot of talk about Namor being the reason why uh, there's a need for a new Black Panther. I think that that's the direction they might be trying to go to, uh, you know, deal with the Chadwick Boseman um, passing and him not being able to finish, uh, you know, playing the character. I think that that's kind of a good way to go about it, if that is the way that they're going about it, which is to get rid of T'Challa um, at some point in the movie and have Namor be um, responsible for it. So, uh, you know, again, I think that what they're doing in, in telling these the story and, and really having a plan, I think is, is, is dope. I think that it's, you know, it's the best storytelling that I feel like in, in movie history, honestly, next to Star Wars. I don't think there's another... Uh, nerd kind of fan base that has better storytelling than, than the MCU and Star Wars. So. Uh, very true. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tu- tuning in. Always be your one. And Stefan, do you have any closing remarks, my friend? I mean, as, as always, never, ever refuse your dream. Put that all Until together next- and figure out what they need to And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay nerdy.